step into the sin bin. This is Penalty Box Radio. Four-time Best Sports Blog winner. With Justin Bradford. Three-time winner for Best Sports Reporter and Commissioner of the SECHC. And Glenn Blackwell. It's time to talk all things hockey in the music city. Penalty Box Radio is on. Smashville's Best Sports Talk. ESPN. 1025 The Game. Welcome to Pelony Box Radio here on ESPN 1025 The Game. Justin Bradford, Glenn Blackwell, Jonas Story, Peyton Turnage, Calvin Smith behind the glass, and we have a loaded hockey show for you. Yes, it's not just the Predators. We're talking junior hockey. We're talking the Blue Jackets and talking right off the bat, a big congratulations to NWHL. Allie Lacombe just signed a deal with the Connecticut Whale, the National Women's Hockey League. She's a coach with the Junior Predators, uh, just published a, a podcast with her today she's been so active she's joining on preds extra and hockey day in america she had a pto with the whale a couple weeks ago and today the news broke that she assigned a deal with the connecticut whale so hey a local hockey person is playing professional hockey in the nwhl and that is huge news so proud of ali lacombe she's been a tremendous part of hockey in middle tennessee and growing hockey and being a, a great mentor to a lot of young women that are playing the sport and growing the sport and she's also the gm and director of the lab in franklin that does a lot with uh, training for hockey as well so huge congratulations to her and she's not leaving she's staying in middle tennessee and she's going to continue her, her work here as a coach and developing hockey talent and then will be commuting to, which to is, Connecticut. Yeah, which is even <laughs> all the more admirable, right? I mean, that's – it's one thing. It's I mean, it's just – it's huge. And she's been such an advocate for the sport in general. So, as Kevin Nealon would say, that is huge. <laughs> it's huge. But, well, yeah, huge congratulations. Huge congratulations to her. And she'll be commuting to, to Minnesota because I know they play an away game against the Whitecaps in uh, Minneapolis-St. Paul. So it's great just to see that, too, because it's great to see her talent be recognized. For those that don't know, Allie played her college hockey at Syracuse, and she has played a little bit of pro over in Europe. I think we, we talked to her last year as well where she had a little bit of time. She had some stints over in Europe where she traveled and she was able to fill in basically on a part-time agreement uh, over in Europe as well and plays pro hockey. But it's been a dream, I'm sure, to play North American pro hockey and now she's getting to do that. And what's huge for this, because we just had Hockey Day in America, part of Hockey Week in America and celebrating all there is with hockey is for everyone and showing how the sport is growing so much and what we can do to continue to make sure the sport grows. She is setting an example especially being here in the South for so long, too, is that it doesn't matter where you're from. It doesn't matter what your background is. You have an opportunity to go and play hockey, not just on a scholarship, but young girls out there know that, hey, I live in Nashville. I play hockey in Nashville. I could play professional women's hockey. I could be a pro hockey player. It's not just looking at an NHL player going, well, that's really cool. He's my idol, but I could never be like him. They can they can, and that's what's so inspiring and amazing to see that product coming out of Nashville and to see that a pro hockey player can come out of Nashville like that and going on to represent so, so much there, too. Just extremely – I can't stop talking about it because it's well, so no, exciting. Yeah, because, I mean, her story can resonate with so many people yes. that maybe wouldn't be able to resonate with, you know, like you said, an NHL player that they feel like, well, that's just – that's not me. That's not my life, right? And so they can look at her and say, wow, that is actually – that very well could be my life. I started from the same town that she did, you mm-hmm. know. So it's 
Huge congrats. Super exciting. And what was also great on Sunday, too, is the Black History trailer was parked at One Symphony Place outside the Skirmerhorn. Willie O'Ree was in town for that game Sunday and for last night as well, too. So just showing so much, too, just being great representatives of the sport. And that's what we want to continue to see the sport grow is to have people that are making sure they're being great representatives of the sport. They're continuing to do everything they can to help it grow. And those are two people that are obviously Willie O'Ree has been a huge, tremendous part of it. And I got to say. What he was wearing was something that not many people can pull off. He was wearing a yep. bolo tie. Yeah. <laughs> and in that bolo tie was a scorpion. <laughs> now, not many people that could pull that off, but Willie O'Ree is one of can those do people. It, yeah. And that's where you have to give the league huge props for oh, the yes. hockey is for everyone. That whole that whole initiative just says so much about where they really do want to see this league go. And they're not they're not trying to restrict it to certain markets. It's it literally is for everyone. And I've loved seeing that develop over the last few years, just seeing that push and that growth. And the thing is we can still do more. Mm-hmm. We can still do more. We go so much more we can do with this. I mean Ford I Center down in Antioch been a big part of that because you, you can't expect people to just come out to the rink wherever it is. Hockey's not a cheap sport. We all know that. It's a very expensive sport, of the most expensive sports is because all the equipment you have to do and you keep growing out of equipment, buying new equipment. But if you want to make it accessible, you got to bring it to people. Ford Eye Center Antioch has done that. Want to see that more hap- happen so much more to where it's available, to where public transportation can get to it, to, to, to where in different cities as well you're bringing it to neighborhoods that could utilize this type of thing, to utilize hockey and have more scholarship programs. There's so much more that we can do as communities to grow this sport. And so we just want to continue that work, and that's what we're going to continue to do. Jonah. I have a big thing on hockey is for everyone and uh, hockey itself in the regions. Uh, my hockey is for everyone point is the National Predators have been graced with so many wonderful players from every descent, really, especially with uh, Wayne Simmons, with P.K. Subban, and my personal favorite, Joel Ward. I got to grow up watching him. So it's wonderful to grow up watching him play. Mm-hmm. And hockey really is for everyone because back where I'm from, uh, Columbia, Tennessee, Mount Pleasant, Murray County, you know, people around there love hockey. And this brings me to my point about ice. We need ice closer to us. And me and my friends, we always find, you know, the back of a church parking lot or somewhere we can play just in the street just because we love to play. And our our problem is it's like you have to go all the way to Nashville right. just to play or just to skate and be on some ice. And what really needs to make a big difference is people from Murray County, the surrounding counties like that, those kids who want ice, they don't they shouldn't have to go to Huntsville or go to Nashville. You know, you should get kids together and adults and talking to people who are in the political seats in your local markets, because that is how you get ice to your community. You talk to your local people, you fight for it, and you get enough demand, and you get ice in your community. That can supply jobs to many people and give kids a place to play hockey. Boom. Jonah nails it. Something we, we continue to preach here. you got to be active. You can't, just com- you can't complain to the Preds and expect them to do everything. you got to expect your local leadership to do that if you want ice and it's a thing you look at all these other cities as well i know we're supposed to talk about preds and everything but we kind of are because it's all part of this too they'll work in partnership with a lot of people but you got to have other people putting the, the the first step you got to take that step forward and they'll work with you and partner but it's up to it's up to y'all it's up to the people listening to make sure this happens because nashville's not going to be a full legit hockey town until we have more ice 
Mm-hmm. Like Dallas. Look at all the sheets of ice that are around there. Uh, the article, I think, that, that there was an article that came out about you know what's really making it the center of the hockey universe mm-hmm. in North America. And you look at sheets of ice. When you only have two forward ice centers, you have Centennial, there's six sheets, and then a seventh full sheet with Bridgestone Arena. Yeah. That's not enough for this community. It's nowhere near enough, and you can't just keep putting it only in Davidson County. You've got to get out to other areas. Williamson, Southern Williamson County would be great because that would be able to affect Columbia and Spring Hill. You had mm-hmm. Southern Williamson County, you know Wilson County, Montgomery County, all these different places that could use ice. Sumner County, you could do that with Rivergate if you got to keep it in Metro, mm-hmm. you know, to apply to all these places. So be active, be active in the community, make sure yeah. you get out there and do it. Because I know if you continue to push, 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 and you don't take no for an answer, eventually it's going to have to happen because there are so many things that can come with it too, from tournaments. Mm-hmm. There's money that will come in, like Jonas said. There's jobs that'll come in. Two, another thing is that you're giving kids and families something to do as well instead of other things they could be doing to get in trouble. You're giving an outlet to be active, to be very active in their community, to, to, to play hockey, to ice skate, to figure skate, to curl, mm-hmm. to all these different things. You're giving them an opportunity to do stuff. Like we see with both Fort Ice Centers, there's community centers attached to them as well. You're giving a place for people to go to not be in trouble, whether it's adults, children, teenagers, whatnot. You're bringing something to the community that is going to help out for the future, and that's mm-hmm. what's important. Yeah. And going off of what you said, Jonah, it is kind of like, if you think about it, at the end of the day, it's kind of like voting and using your right to vote. I mean, nothing really happens unless people come together and vote. So it's going out there and using your voice um, to tell people exactly what it is you want. Otherwise, they have no idea. You know, you got to fight for your right to ice. Oh, <laughs> oh wow. <sighs> Oh, the look that Calvin's giving me for the glass is the... <laughs> that one. That's the one. <laughs> so we don't have much time left, but the, hey, the Predators played last night. And <laughs> it was a good. Yeah. Uh, it, but here's, here's the thing. Carolina played very, very well. It and did. And so uh-huh. obviously hold the Predators accountable because they could not get control at all during the game. I mean, Roman Yossi addressed it. Rocco Grimaldi addressed it. And it wasn't I don't, It wasn't one of those wake-up call things. They just got completely outplayed by a good team. By a really good team that was yeah. playing Carolina's really, really well. Carolina's fighting for their playoff position as well. Yep. And Carolina made things happen. They made their bounces happen. And looking at it like that, it's, it, we'll, we'll see what it's like after these next two games, if this was a bump in the road mm-hmm. or if this was a downturn. Because out of those three wins, the first three-game win streak that the Predators had mm-hmm. – Two of those, they deserve to win. That yes. Sunday one against St. Louis, I don't want to say they didn't deserve to win it, but it could have it could have gone it was the sloppy. Other way. It was yeah. sloppy on both sides, but that's why I, I even asked after the game was, if you can win a sloppy game, is that a good confidence builder? Yes, it is, because mm-hmm. that's how you want to make sure you're a good team. You're finding ways to win games even when you don't deserve to win it. That's a good sign of confidence building that, hey, well, we could really improve. I'm glad we won that game, but there's a lot of things we can do to improve. But, hey, we got the two points. Mm-hmm. The Islanders game was a good game. It was a solid effort solid. all the way around, <laughs> and they shut them down. Yeah. The other Blues game, a good effort. So that's what we'll wait and see about Chicago and Columbus, two teams that are also both really fighting for positioning to see if they're going to be buyers or sellers, especially Chicago. Who knows what's going to happen there? Also, that has come out with Duncan Keith, what mm-hmm. they could possibly do there because he has no trade clause, all these different things. Teams are in the, are we going to buy or sell mode coming up to the trade deadline next week? And so these t- two games are really, really important. If the Predators lose both games, then it's a, uh, well, might as well sell and see what can what you can get out of some of these things. You win both these games, you're right back on the hunt, especially with the games in hand. So, so it is if, pivotal. Yeah. Well, I guess, so the two two games you would say... If they lose, to, if they lose them both, they need to 
they need to sell. I, I would I wouldn't say fire sale, but I'd say yeah. go ahead and sell, see what you can get in return because yeah. it's going to be very difficult so to recover. The, yeah, I guess. And if you're looking, I guess it just depends on what David Poyle is looking to do. If <laughs> yeah. he's looking to say, "Hey, I need us to make this playoff push. We've got to get in here," you know, okay. But then you're you're going to be giving up somebody that's been, you know, thinking about Craig Smith, Mikhail Grenland. Like you're looking at players sure. that over the last few weeks have been just hustling. So it's like you're giving up that. But if he's looking to the future and it says, you know, you got to pull the really, plug sometime. Yeah, I know. Because you, you're going to lose everything so potentially if if you don't. And if you lose these two games, games that they should win, at least get three out of four points. Three out of yeah, four. Yeah, hundred. Yeah, hundred percent think they should. Three, three out but of four points. It's scary to think if goal. he if he does sell. You know, it is. It and it could be one of the people that has been doing really, really it well. Could, it so, is scary. We're going to talk more about that That's in the fourth segment. That's why I'm glad segment. I'm not him. <laughs> no, no, it's a tough job. It's a very Ooh, tough job. Very and everybody tough. thinks they can do that job. But, but we can't. We are not that, qualified for me. that job <laughs> at all. Anyways, Glenn, it's going to be cold. Potential for some snow. It's Again, already cold to me. But I'm already but freezing. The, some snow is potentially coming in. You know, just a little, little dusting, little, little dusting, little, you know, melt on contact, but a little dusting. So it gets, it gets me thinking, though, of the summertime. You know, I'm ready to bask in the in the sun. And go on a cruise ship. And flop around in the salt water. <laughs> bye, bye, bye! That is amazing! That's right. You can travel with us. Penalty Box Radio, ships and trips travel in Royal Caribbean. We are taking a hockey fan cruise to Cozumel, Costa Maya, and Roatan with three days at sea as well. And hey, Stu Grimson and Lindsay Raleigh are joining us. We have two VIP guests. We're going to have a Q&A session. We're going to have trivia nights. We're going to have cocktail parties just for our group. That's July 12th to 19th coming up. So that's after the draft. It's after free agency, all that melee of free agency. So join us, HockeyFanCruise.com. They're an ice skating rink on the ship. We have three private rentals of that. It's going to be awesome. And then you can do whatever you want all the other days. But three destinations, three days at sea, sailing out of Galveston, Texas. It's going to be a lot of fun. Again, Stu Grimson, the Grim Reaper, and Lindsey Raleigh of Fox Sports are going to be joining us on this ship for a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful vacation. HockeyFanCruise.com for more information. That's Penalty Box Radio, Ships and Trips Travel, and Royal Caribbean at HockeyFanCruise.com. Up next, we're going to talk juniors and potential draft picks and college hockey players from the NAHL Top Prospects Tournament with Kirsten Kroll. Up next on Penalty Box Radio, ESPN 1025, The Game. It's jamming out behind the glass. <laughs> I always ask the guest if they have a song they'd like to bump into, and they almost never do, except for Kirsten. I love it. All right, bravo. I was about to ask, is this your karaoke song? Is That's this your awesome. go-to? Because you were looked really I'm excited. a Carrie Underwood fan here, but <laughs> oh, yeah, I did not pick it. All right, well, Penalty Box Radio here on ESPN 125 The Game. Justin Bradford, Glenn Blackwell, Jonah Story, Peyton Turnage, and yes, Producer Calvin taking requests from our guests on the line with us is Kirsten Kroll joining us. She just got done with the NHL Top Prospects Tournament. Kirsten, welcome to the show. Hi, how's everyone doing? Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So first of all, I just got to ask, what made you choose that song? <laughs> I am a diehard Carrie Underwood fan. I didn't necessarily pick that particular okay. song, but I did have kind of a feeling that that was really the one he picked and i'm not mad about it no it's it's a, a, a highly intimidating it. song <laughs> a little bit a little bit but we like the attitude absolutely so a huge tournament and it's one of those things that we try to cover all aspects of hockey here because it just helps 
people become better fans. And the NAHL Top Prospects Tournament was over in Attleboro, Massachusetts. And so a lot of potential future pros playing in this tournament. If you could, What's the breakdown of this and why is this tournament important? What did you notice at this tournament as well? And just why is it something that people should pay a little bit more attention to? Yeah, every, I agree completely with everything you just said. And first and foremost, I just want to say the league does a great job of putting these events together. This is my second year being able to go out, and it's just a top-notch event from the bottom down. The guys love it. It's a fun time for them to get to know all of these guys that they're normally playing against and to essentially be placed on an all-star team. You have just a few hours to kind of find that chemistry on the same lines and everything for – the two games that you're playing in the tournament, but it's it's a lot of fun to watch. I mean, just, yeah, these guys, I mean, when it comes to junior hockey, you're there because you're looking to take your hockey career to the next future, essentially. So events like this, especially this particular one being out east with the league expanding more and getting more teams out east as well, place that, you know, we don't have a ton of events at over the course of a year, so just when it comes down to it, it's more exposure for the kids from all of the scouts. There was a great turnout from NCAA scouts, Division One and Division Three, and NHL scouts in attendance as well. Not only for the NAHL, but the NA3HL also had their showcase going on too, just on the other rink. And so it was great exposure for everyone involved. And Kirsten, kind of elaborating on what you just said, I know you spoke with Commissioner Frankenfield and he mentioned, you know, how more Division One and three players were present this year than last year, which obviously is a huge show of success for the tournament. So I just kind of want to get your personal take on what you saw overall with the level of talent that was there and the potential of the prospects that were there. Oh, there were great games. One person especially that was playing at this tournament that just came to my mind, I think he was my very first interview that I did too, Matt Allen, the captain of the Amarillo Bulls. Just in the two games played, he had five goals, so he was lighting it up out there, just one person in particular. There was many that were out there. And I know just watching the games in the office, the coaches kind of were coming through because there's a glass view of the rink down below. So we were all just kind of watching from up above, and the coaches from around the league were coming in and out. Everyone, and Commissioner Frankenfeld even said that in my interview with him as well, everyone was just really, really impressed with the level of the play. The guys definitely put it all out there. And Kirsten, you've been grinding it out this year. You've been covering not only the NAHL, the NA3HL as well, and St. Cloud State. Um, That's a lot for just one year. What have been some of your opportunities that you've taken and some of the experiences you've had throughout this year and just throughout your young career? Goodness, there have been so many. And honestly, every opportunity that's kind of come my way, like being ringside reporter for St. Cloud State, I'm now in my second straight year of doing it. That was the goal of mine since I was a junior in high school and I first found out about it and how amazing the program that St. Cloud State has is. And then being able to accomplish it, it was pretty surreal, but that was just a big stepping stone for me. And every opportunity that presented itself even before that and after has just been completely unexpected, but and kind of just beyond like my wildest dreams because I'm doing right now what I had dreamed of doing when I was in the seventh grade, and I first decided that this was the career path that I wanted to go down. So, yeah, I mean, I got a phone or I got an email actually from one of the members of the North American Hockey League staff a couple of summers ago, asking if I would be interested in getting on board working some of their events. And immediately, I was super interested. So that's been one huge milestone in my early career working for St. Cloud State and everyone in the NCHC. I've done some 
Media Days, Frozen Face Off, which is a big conference tournament that's also coming up next month. It's it's a fun conference to watch in college. It's arguably the very best one in all of college hockey. I mean, we've had the defending national champions four or five years in a row now between Minnesota Duluth, North Dakota, Denver. It's just great hockey to watch. And so I've been super fortunate for everything that's come my way. And Kristen, also elaborating on what you said earlier, too, you briefly mentioned about how these guys are just kind of thrown together and they have to find this chemistry. In your two years of covering this Prospects tournament, have you seen anything in between that kind of, you know, in between games that you kind of pick up on that players do to kind of adapt to that situation? Um, That's a really good question. I think that everyone that comes to this tournament, they just kind of, they know that this is a big stage for them and a huge opportunity for them to get eyes on them from the scouts in order to make it to either the next Division One or Division Three level for college hockey. So everyone's putting their best game out there. And so I think it's just kind of everyone is super locked in when they get there. And obviously, too, once you get back to the hotel and you kind of get to rest and everything after that first game, you don't have another game until the next day for day two of Top Prospects. So you have a little bit of time to unwind and, gather your thoughts and readjust. And I think a lot of it too just comes down to developing that chemistry with the guys that from the guys that I have had the opportunity to talk to over the past couple of days about it, they just said that it's a lot of fun getting to know these guys and, you know, they're sharing rooms with people they don't necessarily even really know sometimes. And they just say it's a lot of fun. So I just think taking that time away from the rink too is also really important. And I think that's also conveyed to how they play on the ice. And again, Kirsten Kroll joining us, who is just covering the NAHL Top Prospects Tournament. And Kirsten, we talk a lot about development here, and obviously this is one of those things that's developing players and seeing their development. And looking at some of these rosters as well, it's showing just the growth of the sport throughout the world where you're seeing you know, players from Texas, from Florida, and even Australia playing in this tournament as well. What have you noticed just in terms of just as you've been covering the sport about the growth of hockey and where some of these players are coming from, and how much does it excite you just to see that it's not always just the same few states represented over and over? Oh, absolutely. It's awesome. And especially being from Minnesota, for taking a look just at the college hockey level, most of the kids that even play for St. Cloud, they born and raised in Minnesota, so especially for me going out east to an event like this and seeing kids from literally everywhere, it's really cool to see. And, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, with the expansion, we just got added two new teams in this, for this first season. So we have a team up in Maine now, the Maine Nordic, then in New Mexico, the New Mexico Ice Wolves. So the game's growing. And I'm going to be honest, when I joined and got on board last year, I had no idea how many junior hockey teams were down south in Louisiana and Texas and everywhere because I've always been told that hockey outside of the Midwest and Minnesota, it's not as big of a deal anywhere else. But when you kind of get out there, the game's just grown so much and there's kids literally, like you said, from everywhere now that are playing. And that's that's so exciting to us, and we, we love it. Well, we appreciate your insight, and best of luck. We, we Keeping really, really busy covering hockey. So thank you so much for taking the time to join us, and, yeah, we'll talk to you soon. Yeah, it's all fun, and thank you guys for having me on. It was a lot of fun.
Absolutely. Folks, that is Kirsten Kroll. She covers the NAHL, the NA3HL, St. Cloud State. So she's doing everything to cover hockey and just best wishes for her and her, her career because it is taking off big time. It is. She's incredible <laughs> talent. And just when you just said all three of those, I'm like, man, I'm exhausted hearing you say that. And she goes out there and she does it without even batting an eye. And, and I'm kind of jealous because she's seeing future pros. Like, that's what's fun. That's the bread and yeah. butter of she's hockey. She's doing what we always say to do, kind of like familiarize yourself <laughs> yeah. with these this young talent before they take off so that you can know their game before they join the league. So she's getting a, mm-hmm. a whole look of that, which is incredible. There are so. going to be plenty of those players that she saw this tournament. They're going to be named in Montreal coming up this June. So it's going to be pretty interesting to go back and look at those rosters and see. Okay, up next, we're going to help preview Saturday's matchup here in Smashville with the Columbus Blue Jackets. Mark Sheik is going to join us from the Hockey Rider. Up next, Penalty Box Radio, ESPN 1025, The Game. Allow me to reintroduce myself. My name is Ho, Ho. Penalty Box Radio here on ESPN 1025 The Game. Justin Bradford, Lynn Blackwell, Jonah Story, Peyton Turnage, producer Calvin behind the glass. And now let's talk Columbus Blue Jackets. We have our friend online, Mark Shego, the hockey writer, joining us. Mark, welcome to the show again. Oh, Justin, thanks for having me back. Absolutely. So I hear you're actually making your way down to Nashville for Saturday. Is that correct? That is factually correct. You're going to be, you've got the game tomorrow night um, in Columbus against the Flyers, but then on um, what, 7 a.m. wake-up call, first thing Friday morning, head on six hours down and be down around lunchtime. Whew. Well, first of all, safe travels. <laughs> I want to make sure you get that. So what, what is one thing, before we even get into talk about hockey, what's, is this going to be your first time in Nashville? It is not. Uh, I've actually been to Bridgestone Arena, but this will be my first time up in Press Row. I was actually there, oh, God, when Nathan Horton was still a Blue Jacket. Oh, wow. Yeah, so it was It was one the, the one to nothing game. I'm not sure if you remember several years ago, mm-hmm. Anisimov scored in the third period at Bridgestone. It was really, really fun atmosphere to be in and looking forward to this one, too. It will be. Well, yeah, it'll be good to see up in press row there, bud. So let's go Absolutely. ahead and, and, and talk about this season. It's been a little different, obviously, than last year, especially going into the trade deadline and everything. But just what are your overall thoughts? Because we don't get to see Columbus that much, obviously. So what are your thoughts in this season leading up to this point? It's been unbelievable. Like, if you were to tell me that the season would come down like this, where they'd have 30 wins, They'd have $31 million on injured reserve right now, and they'd be fighting tooth and nail for a playoff spot. It, I've, I could have never dreamt a scenario like this. Certainly encouraging to see the way that they're playing, you know, fighting for the playoffs and everything like that. But at the same time now, moving forward, not sure what we're going to see just because just so many injuries into key guys. So when you guys see them on Saturday night, you're going to hardly recognize them. Seth Jones is going to be out. Ryan Murray's going to be out. Josh Anderson's going to be out. Cam Atkinson's going to be out. And you'll see some players, you know, if you haven't watched Columbus much, you're like, who are these guys? Literally five or six players from the Cleveland Monsters, the AHL affiliate, are going to take the ice at Bridgestone Arena trying to fight for a playoff spot. That's going to be quite a different animal for some of these guys. Given the injuries to the roster, what will the Jackets have to do to leave Nashville with a win? Going to come, it's got to come down to the way they've won all year, which is goaltending. You know, Elvis Merzlikens, assuming he gets the start, which I would think he would, 
uh, depending if Cor- Corpusal is ready or not. They've got to he, he's got to lock it down. Um, they've they've got to play strong defense. And they've got to find a way to score. The biggest problem with the Jackets this year, they have not been able to get consistent scoring whatsoever. I mean, they lost a game the other night, 5-1, to one, where they held the Flyers to 15 shots on goal. Still gave up five goals, and yet they still could only find one. So if they're going to walk out of Nashville with a win, they've got to find a way to get three to four goals, and they've got to hope that um, Elvis brings his A game. And you're already alluding to it. Uh, there was a lot made in the offseason about Bobrovsky leaving town, and then Corpusallo comes in and overplays expectations, but then he gets hurt. And so you get gifted with these two magic Latvian goalies, uh, Elvis Merzlikens and Matisse Kivlinex. Uh Where did these guys come from? And it really seems like these guys have really saved the season. Oh, I recently wrote about it, and it's a great question because Bobrovsky was obviously a thing. The Jackets wanted him. Bobrovsky said, you know what, it's time to move on. But when Jarmo Kekalainen first got to Columbus, it, it was his goal to build from the blue line back and to really fortify the goaltending situation because throughout Columbus franchise history, outside of Bobrovsky, they've really not had very much in the way of stability. So they've used the draft, they've used scouting to find these guys from Latvia. And late picks, too. I mean, Merzlikens was a third-round pick in the draft. They signed Kiv Lennox as an undrafted free agent to a deal. Um, and you look at some of the other goalies that they have in the system right now. They have a guy, um, Vevelinen, in the AHL who is off to a tremendous start. And he m- might even have a little bit more upside than these two. And then there's another one in Russia, um, Daniil Tarasov, who's from Bobrovsky's hometown. Still might even have more upside than any of them. So it really comes down to drafting and scouting and development. Um, and when the goaltending coach says ridiculous to just how much NHL talent they think they have, that tells you the whole story. Mark, I have to touch on the trade deadline. I know here in Nashville with the Predators play over the last few months, the conversation is pretty much all over the place as far as what general manager David Poyle is going to be looking to do by Monday's deadline. So looking at Columbus and the long line of injuries that are plaguing this team right now, um, what do you see Monday looking like for the Blue Jackets if no moves are made before then? Well, Glenn, that's a really good question because I think up to the Seth Jones injury, I think they were going to possibly look to go into some of their defensive depth and you know they need forward help and they, you know, they need someone who could score. But with Jones going out, I'm not sure they can touch their depth now. They're already on record as saying that they want to keep their first-round pick. You know, they, they don't have a second this year. They don't have a third this year. They don't have a second next year. They only made three picks in last year's draft from the fourth round on. So they they don't want to give up that first rounder, especially if they miss out on the playoffs because the 2020 draft is shaping up to be something special. So will they do something? You know, In my mind, if they do, it's going to be in the form of a hockey trade. You know, maybe they do. Um, you know, they have to replace Seth Jones. You know, if he's out for the rest of the season, everyone's had to shift in the lineup and their defensive play has kind of slipped. Maybe they do go after a depth defenseman. Maybe they do decide to tap into their defensive depth and to get a forward. I'm just not seeing it, though. I think the, the injury is just it's all hands on deck. They've already got five, six guys from the AHL up. So the guys that they possibly want to trade, like Josh Anderson, a lot, his name is out there a lot. A lot of teams would love to get him, but I'm not even really sure when he's going to come back. He was supposed to be out for four to six weeks, and we're over nine weeks and waiting to see when he's going to come back. So I think 
kind of a bit of a holding pattern until you know they, everybody gets healthy and, and it just might not, especially with Jones possibly being out the rest of the regular season. And again, Mark Sheeg with the Hockey Writer joining us on Penalty Box Radio. And Mark, I, I kind of look back at the history of how long we've known each other and Sonny Milano was one of those players when we first met when we went on a big road trip was when we watched him play and so yeah. now you you're covering him as well what are the expectations like for him how's he been performing is he living up to expectations I mean he has 18 points in 46 games played just what are your thoughts on Sonny Milano and how he's developed as a prospect well he has been one of the most fascinating players <laughs> to follow since since the days back to, with, with Plymouth in the OHL, it's been the, the fans, you just asked them, he's one of the most frustrating prospects too, but he's got the offensive upside and, you know, that's why he's playing now is because, you know, they need goals. But if you follow the situation, John Tortorella has been all over him. He said that he's not necessarily know how to play on the other side of the puck or the defensive side of the game. And he's been scratched. Um, and it's just been kind of a back and forth situation. You know, there's trade rumors. Um, there's even a, at the draft, they thought that he was traded, but was not. But um, he ended up signing a one year deal to come back. Um, I said that when Panarin left, there was a golden opportunity for a, a left winger with some offensive ability to try to fill the hole. And I thought Milano could do that. He really hasn't lived up to it yet, but he's certainly a serviceable player. Still somebody who, you know, every time he steps on the ice, he has the skill. He can break one. He just hasn't consistently proved it enough you know, to meet, you know, first-round expectations. I mean, you know, look at some of the players that went after him. I think he was posturing after somebody else that went mm-hmm. after him. So you know, kind of crazy how it worked out. But, you know, they haven't given up on him, and they still hope that he can eventually find a different gear, um, you know, to help his game and to help his career. Absolutely. And speaking of prospects, looking at this as well, obviously not a lot of picks in last draft, but a lot of these younger players getting experience now with these injuries. What is the prospect pool looking like for the Columbus Blue Jackets in terms of what is the future bright is one of those things they really do need to make sure they have a good draft this year to re to replenish that pool. What's it looking like for the future to see if they can keep any sort of momentum that they had last year continue to go through the next few years? Well, I mean, remember last year too, when they went all in, Yarbo Kekalainen, the general manager said that, you know, we're, we're going all in because we believe in who we have and we still have some really good talent on the way. You know, the most recent example of that's been Liam Foody, who's currently in the Ontario Hockey League playing for the London Knights. He's been emergency recalled twice, um, ended up playing um, against the Buffalo Sabres most recently, got his first NHL point, can skate like the wind, definitely didn't look out of place. And in fact, John Torrell said, we're going to miss him in our lineup. You know, what does that say when he says that about a guy in the OHL who's 19 years old with some of the veterans that are on that team? That's quite the statement made by the head coach there. But because of Foodie being there, I mentioned Tarasov earlier, we've got real good upside. And they have a kid, Andrew Peek, who's up in the NHL now because of the injuries. They're very high on him as a right, very young right-shot defenseman, was the captain at Notre Dame prior to coming over. They're happy with where they're at, but as with any team, they really need to get some elite talent, especially missing out last year where they only had the three draft picks. That's why they don't want to give up that first-round pick. Anybody that um, gets a pick in the lottery this year is going to get an impact player. It is that deep, and they need forward help um, at this point. You know, They have a lot of guys in the AHL right now who 
If they make it to the NHL, they're fourth-line players. They they need to get some extra bodies in there, especially some shooters, and you know that's something they have to address this offseason. It absolutely is. What's always neat to learn about other programs and, and how things are growing for them, especially with all that the great momentum that they had last year because I think there were just a lot of people that got on that bandwagon for Columbus to see good things happen there because the fans deserved it uh, as well. So, Mark, thank you so much for your insight, and, hey, we'll see you this weekend. Yeah, see you on Saturday. Thanks, Justin. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, folks. That is Mark Sheet with the Hockey Writer. Always great to have him on to talk about the Columbus Blue Jackets because hey, he covers the NHL and the OHL, so he knows his prospects and everything there. So, okay, up next, as always, we have a couple dumb things said on Pred's Facebook and answering your questions. Up next, Penalty Box Radio, ESPN, 1025 The Game. Welcome back to Penalty Box Radio here on ESPN 102.5 The Game. Justin Bradford, Glenn Blackwell, Jonah Story, Peyton Turnage, producer Calvin behind the glass. And hey, a couple things that were dumb said on Pred's Facebook. Y'all ready? Here we go! <clears throat> it is now obvious that the new coach has something against Pekka. For his sake, the Predators need to trade him so he can actually play. He is not a bench warmer and deserves better. He was the number one star of the game and gets benched the next time out. Obvious, what can he expect if he stays in Nashville? Not fair to him. Just when I think you've said the stupidest thing ever, you keep talking. <laughs> I, don't, I don't even know what to say right now. You know, that's, uh, that's not how it works. You know, he's been uh, struggling. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. You ride the hot hand. That's just how it goes. Trade uh, him because of that. Trade One, he has him. a no trade clause. He doesn't deserve this. This is not fair. Oh, my God. If you listen to any of the interviews, like people, before you comment, why don't you do some research, read some articles, well, listen to the interviews where he's talked about this and addressed it? Yeah. And obviously, yeah, look back, one, at the history of the team and how much he's done for this franchise. And also, he's well aware that he is reaching an age where a lot of goaltenders start to, you know... They start to fade out a little bit. They're they're yeah. not as athletic as they once were, and it's fine. He recognizes that. I don't. I, but Justin, that requires reading. Your girls. <laughs> That's right. This is dumb things said on Pred's Facebook. But also look at the games that he's still playing. That he's playing lights out. He's he's had some of those still. So some of them, yeah. So wow. I, okay, here's the next one. Wow. <clears throat> that let it be crap has got to go. Oh, good God! Shut up! Keep your mouth shut. <laughs> that is one of the greatest songs of all time. I say what Calvin just played. <laughs> Hush it. Shut up. Keep your mouth shut. That. That. Those are my feelings. Feelings. On that. They just gotta let it be. Aww. Oh. Wow. That was great. Kudos to you. Finger snaps. <laughs> Cal- <laughs> Calvin disagreed, but I'm laughing. But for real, though, what else? They're supposed to be getting hype. That's what the start of the person kept going. No, they're saying let it be a goal. It's supposed like, to be funny. We're you, waiting. Do, do you not know what's going on, bruh? <laughs> that is not high. Oh, Lord. Yes, yes. Let's play. Let's get ridiculous. I agree with the end of their review. With the end of their comment, I agree. Good God. Oh, the Jeopardy theme song. So hype. Oh, so hype. Remix of Jeopardy. I'm sure Calvin could find something with the Jeopardy remix. I wouldn't put it past him. A Jeopardy remix? A Jeopardy remix. Give me like a minute. See? I don't think it needs that long. I think 15 seconds he'd probably find a Jeopardy remix where the beat drops. 
<laughs> I wouldn't. That's panic. Our, yeah, that would that would be something on this playlist. But the beat would drop. Yeah, you know, on his personal playlist. Yeah. Not that we not know the we like to just drop waiting the for it, waiting for it, like thirty seconds later. Still, be still drop. Just waiting for it to drop. I just what? sit there and do my weird little moves until it drops, and then Put I some do more weird, in it. <laughs> more weird moves. Or or you know, okay, here's another song. Maybe they could do you know Pitbull and Hey Baby. Well, you're waiting for the for the hey. call. Oh. But wait. Oh, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Oh, yeah. Yeah! <laughs> it's even better than I imagined. Turn my headphone up. Yeah! <laughs> See? It's even better than I imagined. Thank you, Calvin. 20 seconds, maybe? 20 seconds. Yeah. I, I believe Tops. that. All right. <laughs> we have some questions that have come in. And here's one. If a scandal like what's currently rocking the MLB were to happen to the NHL, how do you think it would be handled? Hopefully a lot better. <laughs> that would be my that would be my hope because man, I mean that's just messy. It'd and then be when you're handled. If you're a huge fan of that league, that's just really really hard to sit through. And the players like, and are even speaking out about yeah, it too. I've even thought about that that question right there before we even got this question in today. Like I just it would be so uncomfortable as a fan to watch that, knowing that the players that you pay money to watch and see are experiencing, it's just, it's a lot. It's way too much. And I would only hope that the league would not go that route. Well, and even the reaction from Houston with mm-hmm. this, basically, oh, yeah, we'll slap on the wrist. Okay. Yeah. Strip the title. Yeah. It's, it's <laughs> bothersome. Cheated. It's bothersome. You cheated big time. People calling you out so much. Strip it. Yeah. And then a piece of metal. A piece of metal? A piece, a piece of, of metal? metal? You guys knew who cheated several times. Oh, oh God. Here we go. Start. The Patriots. <laughs> okay, but hold on. <laughs> yes. But we're but talking about something <laughs> where there's so much evidence even here, too. Let's talk about the now. Okay, and the now and what they could have done given all the evidence in the MLB, right? Right? A lot more so evidence. So you would only hope that with the NHL, if they had all that evidence in front of them... You do something. That they would do something, yeah, that you, you would to. handle it differently. And that, you know, Gary Bettman's not going to call the Stanley Cup a piece of metal either. Oh, I wish I could do a good impersonation of him right now. Not mocking him, but I just wish I could do his voice because I would Tarnage, try to say something like it? that. Stanley Cup is a piece of metal. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, nope, no. Nope. Like I have met the man, and that is not ish. how he sounds. <laughs> no. Give no. me one to no. two weeks. Okay. I'm not as fast as Calvin. <laughs> Tyler asks, how beneficial is it for trade deadline sellers that the Pacific race is absolutely bonkers right now? I'd say that helps them out a lot. If, if you're trying to sell something to Pacific, you know you can ask a little bit because there's so many teams that are still in it mm-hmm. in the Pacific, really battling for position. So that helps them out a lot right there. Unlike in the, the Central, I think you're starting to figure things out. Obviously in the East. The East is pretty much, it, you don't have as many teams in play <laughs> the way it's going for the East. But when you look at the West right now, you have a team that's like even Minnesota and Chicago, obviously still in it with Nashville at 65, Minnesota 61, Chicago 60. Below that, San Jose's at 56. That's going to, no. But all those teams are still in it. You have one, two, three, four, five, six teams vying for two spots right now out in the West. So that definitely helps them out a little bit right there. So uh, interesting, interesting to see. Okay. On the power play. Asks, would it be allowable for two franchises to trade their entire entire rosters for each other, asking for a friend, preferably uh, Florida for Vancouver? <laughs> can you imagine? Can you imagine? That's a lot you of You just trades. made a phone call up and was like, you know what? I'm going to take your roster. Mm-hmm. You want mine? Sure. Why not? Sure, yeah. 
I want to. I want to see with Edmonton and Calgary. Oh God! <laughs> I want to see the facts come through on that. Maximum chaos. <laughs> uh, so this is a simple question. This one comes from uh, W Sackalax. Buy or sell? So it comes up to our the thing that we're kind of discussing yeah. a little bit. I hate to say that it comes down to two games, but I really do think it comes down to two games in terms of what you're going to look at. I don't think you do, a, obviously, a fire sale or anything like that if you lose these two games. If you're the Predators, you wait until the draft. You wait until when you might be able to get a little bit more. You figure some things out. You say, do you really want to keep a certain player? Do you really want to have these players that are under long-term contracts and have to keep them all? No. You're going to have to make some major changes if you miss the playoffs. Yeah, you're going to have to have one of these guys that signed up for another five or six years gone. Mm-hmm. trade something for me while they have value at least two but if you go up and you get three points and you're still in the race then i'd say buy in the terms of buy is a third pairing defenseman <laughs> please yes. and yeah. they're all gone it seems there's yeah. so many that are gone yesterday all these defensemen these depth defensemen are going lovely? away <laughs> <laughs> wouldn't it be i mean yeah it- <sighs> This is where it just gets it gets super tricky. And like we talked about earlier, you know, if you get into a place where, you know, you lose both games and then but still you have the potential to maybe make it to. I don't know. I don't know. It's tough. You have the potential to maybe get to the playoffs and then but you get rid of let's say you get rid of Craig Smith. Like that's not a good scenario. Steve Dangle has a great term. Competent bum. Nashville just needs (laughs) a competent bum on that third pair. Seriously. I like that. It's the third period. Anyone keeping has more of the need. Everybody obviously, I think, agrees on this one is that that third pairing is where the struggle is because the reason why, yet your third pairing is obviously not going to be your best defenders because of the third pairing. Mm -hmm. But when an injury occurs and you have to thrust one of them into the top four role and play more in the penalty kill, things like that, that's when you go, ooh. And that this injury is, is like, oh, maybe four to six weeks, but also we don't know. It just right. kind of have to wait and see. Like that, it's rough, it's, and so that's where you need a stability on that third pairing. They don't have to be the best; mm-hmm. they just need to be Peyton. a competent bum, a competent <laughs> bum, someone that do your job, a stable competent. That's going to do his job, and obviously there's going to be some mistakes made because they're a third pairing defenseman, but not glorious mistakes yeah. <laughs> like lying down on the ice for three seconds and having a puck go off of you. and turning uh, the puck over and turning the puck over and turning but, the puck over but things like that just competent mm-hmm. out there and there's it, that's out there and i think the predators have some things to trade they have two second round picks one of them being new jerseys that they got in the pk suban trade that's going to be a high second rounder so it's basically a late first rounder when you really do look at it that right there is a good piece because you're not giving up your own. They could trade their own. It's just going to be a probably a middle, more of a middle round of the second as well. So there's not much. There, there's a lot there, and there's not much that the Predators could to be scared of to, to give up when you have a second round pick. I think is totally in play. Jonah, thirty seconds. My question would be, who is that competent bum that we keep talking about? If you could name a name, they're gone. They don't have any. <laughs> they all got traded. Somewhere will be That's a why it's in like, wouldn't that be nice? Exactly, if. Peyton. Yeah. yeah, so it's going to be a little bit rough. We'll, we'll see. I'm sure there's plenty out there, and the people that are even more experts have names. There could be more names in play, but the, all the ones at the tops of the lists are gone. All, all those ones were just traded yesterday to all these different teams, and so we'll see what's out there. Okay, miss anything? PenaltyBoxRadio.com. Appreciate you tuning in. We're producer Calvin, Payne Turnage, Jonah Story, and Glenn Blackwell. This is Justin Bradford. Thanks for listening to Penalty Box Radio here on ESPN 1025 The Game.